All right. Yes. Wow. We, well, I personally was going to start a podcast. I mean, we in the proverbial sense of been talking to some people to do podcasts and um, then coronavirus hit and I didn't have my podcasting equipment so I guess we're here now eh so what's up people my name's Imzo and that's the same on all social media handles I M Z O. hope you all are having a great time quarantined now this being episode one I feel like well, I put this as episode 0.5, really. Now, with this being episode 0.5, Anchor has a couple cool features. Uh, I'm doing this right now on Anchor uh, and not using my dedicated podcast equipment, purely because I've, I've been looking at this app and i really do like the concept of being able to do so much more on your mobile device whether it's your ipad or your phone and being able to put content out then and there um obviously with a little bit of scrutiny and checking and so on but still having some serious off-the-cuff conversations where you can kind of truly appreciate certain things now given that we're all stuck in quarantine and obviously some people are finding ways to uh, pass the time whether it's you know body weight workouts because for some of us the gyms are closed um and then there are those that are coming up with times to create content uh coming up with ideas in their free time and that's super awesome honestly but in this episode before i get down to stuff i figure we'll go through some things like tv shows films the and the economics of the world right now and how things stand and possibly what i personally think will end up happening um because i don't think this is a recession right now and if you follow me on instagram you've seen me discuss this multiple times over uh but this is the case right now is uh we're stuck indoors and it's difficult to do meetups without it risking i mean look at the number of people that you didn't kind of expect to get infected, but you just suddenly pop up in your radio. Um, Idris Elba, Tom Hanks, Prince Charles being the latest one. With that said, I do think things will get better. I think possibly maybe three, four months time. I, it's, it, it totally depends on how people play this whole thing out, right? But we'll talk about that later. Right now, let's go to TV shows because, look... There's a lot of great TV shows out there. They're really awesome. There are some, and even films that I've seen recently, even in the last couple days, I've just sat there and gone, who in the world greenlighted this? Like, seriously, who would have thought to do this? Like, it sounds cool, but some of these films just, like, they sound cool and they look cool. It could have just been done so much better. It's almost like a half-done job, you know? Billions is one of those shows, though, that I have to say... Season one was okay. Season two started picking up. Season three, yo, that stuff, I was like, what is going on? Holy damn. And then you get to season four, and you're like literally dug in. You're like, I need to see the next episode. 
and I'm like, I'm constantly checking what episode I'm on because I'm like, this looks like the end. But if this is the end, then what else can possibly happen? And then you're stuck there going, we're only on episode seven. This season has 12 episodes. How the hell can things get worse or better? Like what, like in a TV show like Billions, the thing is, what could possibly get worse? Like you've solved the current problem. How are you going to get worse or better? You know, and if it gets better, then the show kind of gets boring, right? So you're expecting something crop up, but you're trying to think ahead of time. You're like, what could possibly happen? This seems like a solution for everything. They do drop hints, but then you're like, nah, this can't happen. And I'm not giving any spoilers. It is entirely worth a watch, um, especially for those that are interested in finance and so on. It's just a cool outlook on how crazy the mindset of certain people are. And more so, well, still getting emails. Coronavirus doesn't stop that, but it doesn't. The whole entire show just has you sitting there go, going, oh my god, like, how, how is this guy going to get out of this? And, I, and honestly speaking, I'm, I'm hyped for season five because season five comes out in May. Uh, it's going to be insane for sure because I'm, I'm, just looking at the, I'm just looking at the whole entire season one to season four story arc and I'm like, Come on, like how how are you gonna ramp this up? And if you ramp this up in season five, I'm so curious how you're gonna be able to leave off with a season six or season seven. You know, um, as so many of these shows seem to go for, uh, and it sucks because there are shows that I would say deserved maybe a second or third season, and there's no point in discussing those right now. But they're dead, and they've been dead for years. Um, and it, it, it's it's some shows are just like mindless not really reality tv because reality tv is truly mindless but they're mindless in the respect of they're not your regular programming in the sense of they're very sci-fi very okay we're in modern day but we've taken this and added a bunch of tech to it and it just opens up your mind to go hey what's possible now i mean you when you look at netflix netflix has done a bunch of great stuff uh, Altered Carbon is certainly one of my favorites out of Netflix. Season 2, uh, for those that haven't seen Season 1, absolutely amazing. Totally worth the watch. I, I was hyped. I was. They could have literally left it at Season 1 because I don't know where they could have gone. But it was. I was so curious how Netflix was going to go. Yeah, okay, we're going to green light Season 2. Like, bruh, how? Like, what are you possibly going to do for Season 2? And then you get to Season 2 and... I will say this, like, if you're binge-watching this, bear in mind, episodes 1 to 5, 5, 5, 5, midway starts to pick up, but 1 to 5, I have to say, season 2, the writing is somewhat sloppy, I'm not gonna hype you guys up on that. Season 1, I was like, oh, okay, I'm on this journey, I'm, I'm, I'm here for this, you know? So, certainly, one of my favorite series that Netflix has produced, other than, I think, Black Mirror, Black Mirror is pretty cool, I personally loved... And I remember seeing this um, closer to New Year's time was their, their, you know, their interactive one. And I thought that was awesome. And uh, I've seen them do it a bunch of times with a couple other shows. Uh, Berg Isles is one of the other ones that they did it with. But Altered Carbon is one of those series that I felt even if you'd left it at season one, 
unlike Black Black Mirror, where we kind of all craved for a season two. Every episode was encapsulated in itself, but we still wanted a season two, three, and so forth. Well, whilst Altered Carbon, I was like, if this finishes here, I'm okay with it, because I just can't see where else you're going to take it. But I'm so curious if you guys are going to do season two, how you're going to do it. And they did it. It just didn't live up to expectations. It was interesting because the characters that you never expected to really shine, really shine more than the actual lead characters, which is super interesting to me because on an acting standpoint, it was groundbreaking for those other characters. So I hope if they do a season three, and if, I, I just don't know, again, where they would take it because season one was pretty self-encapsulated season two pretty much sums itself up season three i if if they green light it i'm i'm all for it i'm just very curious what could possibly crop up for season three um and this happens to be the same with even blacklist blacklist i believe is on its god what seventh season right now yeah we're we're in middle of season seven still have a few more episodes to go i believe this finishes on april 10th from what i understand now blacklist is great i do think it's getting dragged a little bit and i hope they don't try and push this any further than season eight or nine like i i think by the time you get to season 10 it's going to be pretty boring but i think if they really ramp it up from the end of season seven all the way through season eight and then basically close off with a half season in nine I think that would be great because you're really just getting that whole energy pumping and really giving the main character, um, Raymond Reddington, a send-off that really matters to the audience. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the core character, I feel. Uh, there is obviously Lizzie, who is one of the main characters, but I don't feel as hyped about her journey anymore as I do about Raymond Reddington. And I think that's a very key factor when people looking at TV shows is the journey from one main character and another. And once one story arc is basically completed and it's kind of towing on another, which is in this case, uh, he's heard his, well, it's not his daughter, I would say, I guess. I mean, it's still really weird, that whole entire situation. But at the end of the day, it's that concept that she's tagging now along his journey. And that's not even a spoiler in any sense, because that's kind of been the way it has been since season one. But there is obviously turns and twists that have made it very focused on her um, along the journey of the many seasons that they've had. But like I said, I think Blacklist is also a great show to watch if you're stuck inside, which a lot of us are, I would say, Billions, Ultra Carbon, Blacklist, Archer's another great one, Archer's coming back out, if I'm not wrong, uh, sometime in May, the new season drops, and they're going to run that all the way through to, I believe, maybe season 12, 13, a great show from season one, uh, it starts to fall off a little bit before season, let's say, eight, and then it comes back a little bit towards the end of the last season, but entirely worth a watch, I would say. Now, in case you're wondering, Archer is basically a secret agent that is in a spy agency. This is season one. 
and he goes on these crazy adventures and he lives his life and you're just basically following him it's a it's a cartoon i wouldn't say even cartoon it's anime right because it's a lot of it is not functionally done in the way that you would regularly imagine because like for example there's a there's an interview with the guys that created it and they wanted to do a season where he's in the wild west but they realized animating horses are, is super difficult so they completely scrapped the idea uh to basically do an entire season in the wild west so they've 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 gone through these so they've gone through these certain methods in trying to understand best what works for them and trying to tell a story but they drop easter eggs all over the place they drop certain lines they they there's hints there's parodies to things it, it's it's a very lively tv show that keeps you somewhat intact watching it it's just not just dumb basically cartoons right it's stuff that you literally watch and go hey holy damn that's from that series or that's from that movie and stuff like that you know and it's it's nuances like that now there's shows like simpsons for example the simpsons i absolutely love it um i haven't seen it in a while and i just happened to pick up season 31 like damn like they're on season 31 it's crazy right i mean at the end of the day i never thought they would get this far because come on how are you gonna keep going right you're, you're gonna lose steam eventually but i'm watching season 31 and i'm like wow these guys have really come a long way i mean from the first simpsons to i i think i left it off at like season 18 i was watching bits and pieces season 15 bits and pieces season 12 same thing but when you're looking at it now it's absolutely incredible the difference because not just from an animation standpoint but also from a story standpoint that i feel like just the language that they're using the level of depth that they're willing to go in terms of parodies in terms of just throwing things out there that are relevant to us now um and more so than ever it's highly interesting and it really makes a difference in the series because it speaks so much of what people are thinking or what people or what society is right now. And it's it's far more deeper in a way than it used to be, but it's still as relaxed as it ever was. Now, that's one of those things that I have to say, if you're if you're literally lost for content, I would say watch The Simpsons. Otherwise, I'm, honestly, the stuff on YouTube all over the place, uh, I there's a wealth of content in this day and age and it's insane because if this had happened back in the 2000s imagine doing quarantine in the 2000s what are you gonna do you're gonna play your game boy your playstation or your xbox and you can't even really go online right there was nothing really like that back then uh and you're you're stuck you know and that in that case right now you have so many options when you're quarantined to stay home and literally dig in and you can either educate yourself or just put some mindless stuff on reality tv or whatever have you um or you know watch some anime you can literally do anything at this point and there's enough services for that now with that said talking about films though look i seen dr doolittle i thought it was great uh i really did love that movie i thought Robert Downing Jr.'s acting. This guy is insane. Like, I love his acting to a whole new level. Every time he does a new movie, 
purely because he's such an underrated actor, I feel. I, he did a great job as Iron Man, 100%. And I feel like that's always going to be his role. Just like Christian Bale owned Batman, and Christian Bale will always be Batman in a way, you know? There's no other Batman that's beaten him. And so I do feel like there is that level, right? We've got, who is it, the Patterson dude, the Twilight dude that's going to do now batman and they're trying to make it like way more edgy i guess or set way back or something like that and i was looking at the i was looking at the set photos and so on and i'm like yeah all right but it just man you're, you're talking about christian bale and christopher nolan like come on the cinematography is insane it was a high-end film it wasn't just a knock and punch him up kind of you know, film, it was, there was depth to the film, there was a city that was living and breathing, there was consequences, there was, there was an entire story arc to the trilogy, right, and it really made it full and whole, now, you compare that with something like Bloodshot, now, Bloodshot's um, new film with, who's the guy from, god, how am I forgetting this guy? Vin Diesel, that's who it is. How can I forget that? Fast and the Furious, man. Anyway, so I don't know how they greenlighted this. To me, it's just like, ah, we needed to make a quick buck. All right, bro. And then you did this. You you greenlighted this absolutely horrific script. Because I swear to God, from the get-go, the minute they basically revealed the story in the first 45 minutes, I was like, ah, bruh, let's just stop. Like, uh, at what point did this make sense for you to do? And then, not to mention, why would you not take me on a journey? I feel a lot of script writers these days, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, if any of you guys watch Altered Carbon, I feel like that's the case with even season two, episodes one to five. Is the same situation with even this movie Bloodshot. I get it's supposed to be... Bloodshot's supposed to be mindless action hero stuff. But it's so badly done to me, script-wise, that it's not even mindless action hero stuff. Look, like A Man From U.N.C.L.E., absolutely great. James Bond, absolutely great. Perfect script writing. Get to Bloodshot, and I'm sat there like, mate, nah, nah, nah. Where we were... This, this dude has there's nothing that's gonna like you know do anything there's nothing that's gonna happen here that's really gonna make me go no really oh my god and there's no way that you can give me a plot twist that i'm not gonna be like all right and then and and you know so it's one of those situations that i think a lot of films for me personally are not just living up to the hype i mean there's parasite that i really need to see and i've heard a lot it's been hyped to me um and i really really do want to watch that and i mean this is the thing right there's there's some great films out there bloodshot is definitely not one of them invisible man i don't know how that's going to live up it's supposed to be a horror i remember seeing the first original invisible man i think what was in the 90s early 2000s and i was like this is this these are the things that you thought to do when you became invisible I'm like, seriously, there's so many other things that you could possibly do, man. So with that said, I mean, film-wise, film what I do hope is that they push a lot more to digital immediately 
rather than the usual six-week delay that they do, for me, I'm just like, that's kind of stupid. I mean, if the video, if the videos have finished off in the States, like, for example, in cinema, then, okay, why don't you just basically let us watch the film as soon as it finishes from the cinema? You have the file. Upload the file. Like, why am I pre-ordering this on iTunes? Or why am I waiting for it to hit Netflix? I mean, just put it out there. And I'll watch it. I don't have to then pirate it or anything else that people do. Pirating is bad, people. Do not pirate movies. But you get what I'm saying. That logically, it makes no sense to me. Because I get that they want to close it off from, say, once everything else in the world, cinema-wise, is done. Then they upload it online. I get that. But here's the thing. If you've already country-locked content, it really doesn't make a difference anymore. Unless you're telling me... That, oh, well, if you release it in the States, then someone else is going to pirate it online. Okay, you get that. But here's the thing. There are people anyway going to the cinemas with their video cameras still and doing that stuff. So it really doesn't make a difference anymore. Now, with that said, that does bring us to the economics of business and the world, which, look... I'm, I don't have a name like Warren Buffett. I wish I did, because then that would mean I'm a billionaire. It'd be really cool. Uh, but, I mean, I, my, my experience in this stuff so far has been pretty spot on. I have been saying that this is a massive house of cards that we've all built as a society. And it sucks. But it's one of those things I think people need to kind of take notice of. And I think people can only grow from here is when I was pointing this out and people had said that it's it's a piece of data that doesn't really make sense because it can go either way. It's the total household income versus how they pay the bills and so forth. It's it's basically the debt that a house has. And typically it showed signs of paying everything paycheck to paycheck effectively or increased debt. And people were saying that's a sign that people have a clear understanding that the economy is amazing, that they will eventually be able to pay everything off, which to me kind of makes no sense. Uh, To me, I'd say the lesser the debt in the household income, the better, because that's just a sign of the economy doing amazing, people earning more, people capable of spending more. I don't think if you know how to financially manage, and I think financial literacy is a huge thing here, but with great financial literacy, because look, the reason I'm harping on financial literacy and this debt thing is because if you have really good financial literacy, you can you take a thousand dollars and make ten, and if you got if you got ten thousand dollars, you can make twenty, thirty, whatever. But here's the thing: if you got a thousand dollars and you spend a thousand dollars, and if you got Ten thousand dollars. You're definitely going to spend ten thousand dollars because you have no concept of basically managing a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars. So how are you going to manage ten? How are you going to manage twenty? How are you going to manage thirty or forty? You're going to blow it. And this is key because if you don't know how to take that money and constantly grow it, then how in the world are you effectively going to be able to manage more money, right? And how are you going to be able to handle your debt and so forth? And that's a very clear thing that I'm looking at when I'm looking at this data is, I mean, look, the jobs report came out yesterday. It's 3.3 million, biggest month in history of jobs unemployment. It's crazy. 
So when I'm looking at economic data and I'm looking for trades and so forth, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm like, we've basically built a massive house of cards globally. Now, bear in mind, back in 2008, it was, sure, it was semi-global, but it, most of it was based in the States because there was a lot of American banks that had figured a way around this to make their money, right? And get their CEOs and everyone, higher management paid and really push things. So then it becomes one of those situations where you're like, well, that was then. So surely everyone's learned their lessons. And yes, they have. Sort of. Because now we're suffering with not being able to push more money into good businesses because those businesses went bad. So this is what I'm seeing right now is that banks are somewhat more scrut have a lot more scrutiny on businesses. And I get that. That's fine. But the scrutiny is to such an extent where it becomes difficult for small businesses to grow. And in which case, I always look at it as banks, your relationship managers, your effectively your head of departments and so forth should be in a way a partner in the business in the respect of being able to understand the business as a partner would. So I'm not just basically saying, here, take this loan. Sure, all your figures make sense. I'm understanding where your risks are, where everything is, and my people are watching for that within the industry. And the day I see that there's a lot of risk or there's about to be is the day that I call you up and go, how are you going to manage this? Are you going to use the contingency plans that you had said to me? And that's the way I look at it is there's a lot of debt that from 2008 that's now created such a crack in the whole market in respect to people not really willing to extend their hand out and it's causing a lack of growth in businesses so although great economy a lot of businesses are having to slowly grow right which is different to exponential growth which you know would be nice now as a whole globally the thing is everyone is just shoving money into the market at this point and i think that's going to be the house of cards that's going to set everything alight now i don't think that what's going on right now i would not constitute this as the same as the 2008 recession i would constitute what comes next as the equivalent or worse than the 08 recession and possibly cratering multiple nations to the extent where it might make the 3.3 million unemployment number look like a joke now, I see that because I'm just looking at everything in terms of the amount of money being pumped into the markets, the stimulus from this virus, the amount of time that people are thinking that this virus will be over and done with. We forget that it only takes, for example, one country to be like, oh, yeah, we're done. We're OK. It's all good. Everyone can fly. And another country to drop their borders and everyone start mixing and mingling for this thing to erupt all over again. And here we are back at ground zero. And there's no, so far, no data on this being like when you had chicken pox, where you catch it once, you're good. No, no, no. There's no data on this, right? There's no chance of us knowing that you can't catch it a second or third time, right? And how, if you caught it a second or third time, does that increase your chances on fatality? And this is the thing that I don't think a lot of people are quite understanding when they're going, oh, it's just a flu. Okay, the thing is, this attacks you similar in ways to pneumonia in respect to your lungs and so on. You're damaged after. 
You know, you can be healthy, sure, great, you will kick the disease out. But as far as the long-term costs, you don't know on how much that's taxed your system to get this out. And then beyond that, you, you forget that it just takes one person, even let's go 10 people, to have it and be asymptomatic and travel and then that's game over. You know, and you're back at the whole numbers starting to rise again and a country needing to shut down and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we're discounting on how long this entire thing is going to need to go for. And I think we're discounting the fact that, look, I get that the stimulus package is given as loans. So you must pay the government back. But I think we're forgetting if everything continues, you're going to need to do another stimulus package and then another one because businesses are going to struggle especially not so much the larger corporations i feel like by a large part these dudes especially the airline industry and so on okay i get their margins are razor thin but it's very different to a mom and pop store you know your corner stores and so forth that are suffering in these times realistically speaking and especially from you know even you see a little bit of growth in racism in this respect of people avoiding, for example, Chinatown. Chinatown in, for example, America has nothing to do with China. I mean, let's be real. So I, I, I do see that we're going to find certain issues far more with small businesses. And those are, the, those are the businesses that will begin to tax the system. And you can say, hey, we kicked them to the side. But you really can't because... Kicking them to the side just doesn't help anyone. And this is the thing is that it's a difficult situation. And it's difficult in the respect of there is no way, no definitive method which you could possibly do this without everything falling apart. Because when you start pouring money into the stock markets, like a lot of countries have done and trying to prop up their market to stop it from cratering and creating another recession... And then when you're trying to stop unemployment, when you're trying to stop X, Y, Z, and yet you've got everyone quarantined, there's a whole level of issues that come that we're not being able to control. And a lot of stuff is outside our control. And with that, you really can't just throw money at it. You really can't do much. You effectively have to throw a little bit of money in, hope that handles, and then see how that little bit of money works. And then where's the cracks? And then go from there. But again, I'm not running the world government. I'm not running who. I'm not running the money, World Monetary Fund. I'm just saying we need to take it from a perspective of we need to be in for the long haul and understand that. And maybe readjust some habits. Habits? Habits. Readjust some habits. And those habits hopefully will let us grow stronger before things really really do get bad and i mean this has been possibly one of the greatest buy opportunities for the stock market because to me i've seen stocks where i'm like yo this thing is so cheap right now i don't even understand how it's as cheap if i had like a ton of capital just like to throw it at this thing i'd be like yes i'm doing that because even if it drops lower i'll just buy it at the next support level also because at some point this thing is 100 going to skyrocket because it's an essential we all use it. We all need it. And so that's one of the things I realized is everything took a plummet, sure. And I don't think that this is the bottom yet because you can never tell when the bottom is. You can only, you can't, like, just like you can't tell when the top is of the stock market. 
so it's one of those things uh and i that's the way i look at it i mean that's why i'm talking about tv shows films um i'll talk about podcasts next time but this is the thing that i'm saying is when you're looking at it from this perspective you kind of begin to understand look relax breathe you need to make a plan for everything going forward and with that plan hopefully you can survive the actual full flat out recession because there's no way to know what's going to trigger that right like nobody knew that someone would one day call up all the options and everything that people had back in 08 and everything would just fall apart slowly and then it's just one domino effect after another nobody knew when that was going to happen it was going to happen but nobody knew when With that said, guys, stay safe. Send in any Q&A that you would want. Uh, and more so, TV shows, recommendations, film recommendations. Um, and I'm always here, you know, for people to chat to and so on. People always hit me up in my DMs. So, I mean, more than welcome to. Uh, my DMs are always open. More so, the actual podcast, I'm going to try using Anchors with Friends option to see if we can do some remote podcasting should be interesting now this is possibly the way i'm going to podcast in the future let's see because of the way things are it should get pretty interesting so stay tuned guys much love and please 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 stay home and be safe and stay healthy key thing stay healthy